Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Sticky Note Marketing. I am your host, Mary Zarnecki. And this week, I am excited to continue our guest expert series with Kevin Snow. Kevin, welcome to the Sticky Note Marketing Show. Thanks for having me, Mary. I am really excited to be here today. Terrific. So if you are not familiar with Kevin, you are soon going to be and going to be excited about that because Kevin is the founder and CEO of Time on Target. He's also an army veteran, an entrepreneur, a sales expert, and a serious technology geek. So I am super excited about digging into that a bit. But in today's topic, we're going to dig into a big pain point I've been hearing for, uh, from a lot of our community which is, well, how do I actually sell better, sell more without sounding sleazy? And how can I use sales automation to close those sales faster, free up more of my time, but not sound or feel icky about the process? So thanks for uh, shedding some light on that issue for us today, Kevin. Yeah, my, my biggest pet peeve as a sales guy and as a business owner is when I open my inbox and I, I'm one of the people that will, I'll opt into everything because I want to see what they're doing and, and I'll re-engineer their funnels and everything and, and see if I can learn something new. But then I start reading them. I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. Uh, and it's it just, it, some of the stuff I'm like, it's really long and it, you can tell it was written by like a marketing person, no offense to marketing people, your emails now, but it, you know, it's all marketing jargon and marketing talk and it's it's not actually talking to me. So I'm like, oh, this is horrible. How are, how is this what you people are sending out for email? No, I believe me as a lifelong marketer, it sometimes makes me cringe when I, when I receive these emails. So thank you for, for working on (laughs) solving that problem. (laughs) Hopefully I get more of your clients emails in my inbox. So tell me, how did you end up fixing this problem for people? Where did you start? So I, I actually launched my company like 12 years ago. And, but it wasn't focused on this. I launched it out of necessity because I was uh, working with a networking organization and I was really good at launching chapters for them. Uh, so other regions around the country were like, hey, Kevin, can you come train our team on how to launch a chapter and we'll pay you. And we'll fly you in and pay you and feed you. I'm like, sure, awesome. And then I was like, hmm, I need a company. I just can't like, take money. In my name, I got to have a company to put it through. So I launched Time on Target as a sales and tra- or a training and uh, you know speaking organization. So I was going and working with those regions, com- organizations and companies were hiring me to come do sales and networking training. And it was a lot of fun. And then I deployed and I went to uh, Kuwait and Iraq for a year. And I came back and I had no speaking dates and I had nothing in my pipeline. And I was like, oh, crap. I had just found the major flaw in my business model and that it couldn't survive me being gone and out of the out of the loop for a year. So I started looking at options, talking to some of my friends. I really decided just uh, determined that I had not actually launched a company a couple of years prior. I had launched a job. Mm. And so I wanted to do something with the company that I could scale and do more stuff and end up building a team around. And so that if I wanted to be gone for a week or longer, stuff still got done. So my first iteration of the new time on target was as a consulting firm where we actually came into tech companies, second stage growth firms that had some success. And we're now at that stage where oh, we need that on a sales team and we want to do some rapid sales growth. 
I would come in, I'd actually help them launch their team. We'd help them write, you know, the job descriptions, teach them how to interview salespeople because interviewing a sales guy is different than interviewing a coder for your, your software system. We teach them how to help them put together a training program, We'd map out their sales process, teach, get all the stuff set up so that they could actually manage a sales program. And it was really fun. We'd be like six or seven month uh, engagements with all the companies. It was awesome. Uh, but I, and I learned a ton about business and sales and, you know, the different industries I was working with. But then I started finding things I didn't like and, and things that were like uh, major choke points for my process. You know, the interviewing, when we were interviewing salespeople, you have to do a lot of interviews to hire three people in one mm-hmm. cycle. So I'm like, I can only have a client at a time. This sucks. How do I get rid of this part of the process? And we just kept niching down to where we are now, where the real focus is on sales process and helping people map out how they sell and how the client makes purchasing decisions and then syncing them together and then integrating the technology into it so it is a seamless uh, piece for the the clients and actually helps the salespeople and the business owners save time and be more effective. Uh, And so that's where we're at now is really just that, that little niche piece that is just, you know, it's fun because it's, we, it's always a new process. We're customizing everything and it's a continual learning thing for us now. Well, first of all, I love the fact that you identified, you know, my business isn't working for me anymore. I know that comes a lot, a lot up in our, our community discussions that we build this business because we think it's what we want. And then we actually start running it and we're like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that's really pretty much what happened. I'm like, oh, this is a lot of work. And I had originally planned to have like a team working with a the company. There'd be like two or three people. I'm like, well, this would be better. But it's still, they're still going to hit a bandwidth issue really quickly. They're only going to be able to do two or three companies at a time, even if one person is focused on that HR piece, the sales program. So I was like, oh, we got to figure out a better way to do this because I'm going to have to scale way faster for people than my revenue is going to scale. And I'm going to have to really, I want to really focus on the small business side, mm-hmm. you know, not, you know, to get hire a consulting team of three people for what we were going to do would have been like 15 grand a month. I didn't want that, that size of client. I wanted to work with those businesses that really needed the help and didn't have resources to do what, you know, the big companies can do. They couldn't afford to hire a high-end sales. So I had to figure out how to make it so I could still work with those key people that I was, that were who I wanted to service. No, I think that's brilliant. So I loved what you said about going in, looking at the sales process, and then adding in the tech and automation. So obviously being a technology geek, I'm sure you bump into some people that have fallen for the shiny object, have fallen for the technology before the strategy. So tell us a little bit about some of the problems that you faced or seen what mistakes people make choosing technology before strategy. Well, and that's that's normally what happens because it's like, oh, here's this really cool feature. And or it's a, you know, we have this quick issue. What can we do to fix it? So then they find a tool. So you know that's how people get into like a calendly or acuity, the scheduling links. Oh, I, I hate this email thing back and forth, the schedule. Let's do this. Awesome. Uh, we need a CRM. Well, well, let's get this one. So it's really that they're just jumping in and they're not thinking about how stuff integrates. And then they don't really, because most small businesses don't understand how they sell and what Mm -hmm. their actual process is. They then try and take the default process 
that all these tools come with and just make what they do fit into what's already there. So now they end up screwing up their process that they already had, even though they didn't know they had it, they have one. And they try and make it fit and it's and it's frustrating for them because it's not telling them the stuff that they want and they know it should be, but they don't know how to fix it. And it makes for lower adoption rates, especially if you have a team and you just throw out this new service. So it's really key when we're working with new clients is the first conversation. You know, I have the systems that I use all the time and most of my clients are just fine with me telling them what to use. But our conversations always focus around, all right, so walk me through how you sell right now. And I make them get really granular in the detail. It's like, all right, so you do this. Now what else do you have to do? When you do that, how do you do that? And then we can give me all that info and we map it out. Mm-hmm. And then that's the basis for, all right, so let's talk about how we make this better. You know, do we need to bring in clients and talk about to them about how you sold to them and what they liked and what they didn't like and issues so we can tweak the process? Is there redundancy here that we can get rid of and use automation for? But without knowing how you're doing something, you know, technology is just the shiny object thing. It's like, ooh, look at this cool new thing we have that you use for a while and you're really excited about and you get bored with it and you stop using because it's not doing what it should. I like that. So, so you mentioned two things I want to dig into one about revealing the process. So like you said, sitting down with someone getting granular, asking the right questions so that they can actually say, Oh, well, I actually do do that. I'm sure there are people listening to this episode right now that are saying, Oh, well, I don't have a sales process or I don't have anything mapped out. So what do you say to people when they, when they come to you and say, Oh, well, I don't have a sales process. Well, and that's usually what happens, especially if it is a solo entrepreneur or, you know, CEO of a company, but then he's got like fulfillment people, operations people, but he's doing all the sales. There's a way that you do it. And even if you don't understand that is a process, there are certain things you do all the time. And there are certain things that people say all the time in a sales call because they understand that the person is going to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you listen, even in like my podcast, you know, I do a couple podcasts a week. If you go back and listen to a lot of my podcasts, there are going to be certain things that I say the same every time because I know the host is going to be like, oh, let's talk about that. <laughs> and they, they just get it. And he's like, oh, that and I would make notes. Oh, that worked. So we'll use that again. Uh, and it's the same way when you are starting out sales for a company, you say things and you know, your client's eyes light up. It's like, oh, they got it. And then if you're smart, you're writing it down and realizing it. So everyone has a process that they use, mm-hmm. even if they don't realize it. And it's usually just going through and thinking about, all right, so I have a new client. What's the first step? How do I meet this person? Oh, I, I found them on Facebook. How do I find them on Facebook? And then just asking, how does that happen? And how does, you know, now what do you do? And asking all those how questions after every step until you can't dig any deeper. And it's like, all right, so now what happens? And it, it's just going through it. It can be kind of tedious, but the more detail you get, it makes it easier to see. It's like, wow, I'm entering client data in five different places. That's dumb. <laughs> is there a way that I can make that turn in one place and then it just sends everywhere else? And that that's how you find those time savings. I love that. So what are some of the reactions that you've gotten from your clients after they see this process that they didn't know was there that you've revealed? It, it's usually shock. They're like, well, I, I didn't realize I was doing this much. 
And I'm like, yeah, I didn't either until the first time I, for, for uh, one of my friends, I took one of his new courses he was doing and he was like, all right, write down every single thing that you do for your clients, no matter how little it is. And I started writing down all the stuff. I'm like, oh my God, I need to hire someone. <laughs> Why am I doing these things? So it's usually people are shocked. They, they don't understand all the stuff they do just because they go do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, you know, we teach a lot of our clients, you know, make a list of all the stuff you do. And then look at it. Is this something that Steve Jobs would do? <laughs> or is this something or not? And if it's not, then how do we get it to someone else or automate it so that you don't have to do it? Because that's how the free time comes up. Most entrepreneurs are so focused on making sure everything's done right that they try and do it all themselves. Mm -hmm. And they want to have their fingers in everything. And especially if you're like a high C personality like me, you, you totally want to touch everything because no one can do it as good as you. Right. right. So you have to learn, you have to be able to visually see for a lot of people, you have to be, see what all you're doing. So you can say, oh, wow, I can't keep doing this. And then be able to see, oh, these are the same things. How do I, how do I get rid of them? How do I do them in one step instead of three? And that's how you start seeing the time saving. I like that. So then they're, they're seeing those opportunities. And so then the automation comes in. So tell me a little bit about then bridging over to the conversation around automation and technology. So then it's looking at in that sales process, what are the things that you have to do that are repetitive? Uh, and then what are, are there messages that, uh, you know, that you send every sales, every, uh, every prospect. So you send them the same message. That was my thing on Fridays when I was an outside sales rep was my, Hey, thanks for meeting with me this week. It was really great to learn about your company and, and talk more about your needs and blah, blah, blah. Except I wouldn't be paying attention when I was doing these cut and paste emails. So I'd be sending the, my email to Mary would say, hi, Bob, or I'd have the wrong company name because I forgot to change it from the last one. And it hit send and I'd be like, Oh my God, what did I just do? Uh, so, you know, it's things like that that you can automate. And, and you can create it in a way that actually adds value. So we worked with a roofing company. Uh, and so their first step in the sales process was that initial client call where they'd go out and they'd measure the roof or if they're doing siding, they'd measure the, the walls, the windows, you know, whatever services they're going to do. Uh, and then they would come back and do pricing and put together, all right, here's what's going to cost and blah, blah, blah. So we set up for their sales process after the, the salesperson says, hey, the meeting's done. It would trigger an email to go out the next day saying, hey, it was great to meet with you. One of the biggest concerns we hear from our clients is they're always afraid they're going to get scammed. Mm -hmm. So we've put together this checklist for you of all the key things you need to ask the roofing contractors that you're talking to to make sure you're making a decision that's safe. And so we sent out content like that. And now, you know, it's answering a specific question that we knew their clients had at that step in the process. But while they're going through that and, you know, they're probably meeting with other roofing companies, now they have this guide that they can use that has our name on it. The client or my client is then doing pricing and putting together the proposal and getting ready to send that out. So after they do the proposal and the pricing and they mark that complete, we send another email with testimonials from the local market. So it's all keyed on, hey, what are the things going through the client's head that we can answer with and not make the salesperson or the owner search for content? So that is one of the big things that we do. 
that's how you make sure it doesn't feel salesy. Because what normally happens, it makes a salesperson sound like a, a, a greaseball, is that they try and jump ahead in the process. They're so super focused on getting to that big yes at the end. They aren't paying attention to what the client needs at, right at, at that point and getting closure for that in that existing conversation. So, and that's what sales is. It's a series of conversations that come that have closure. Mm-hmm. It's just like if you or I are talking to one of our friends, you know, whenever you finish that conversation, you don't just say, all right, bye and hang up. It's always, hey, I'll give you a call Friday. We'll talk about the barbecue this weekend or, you know, let me know what's going on with this. There's always that next step. And sales is the exact same way. So if your automation is just trying to get them to the close, that's where it starts becoming salesy and, and slimy. If you're focused on what they need right then to enhance the process that you're taking them through and to support their decision-making, you don't come across as that, that slimy sales guy. You come across as, wow, this, you know, Mary was awesome. She would give us all this great answers. She was like, she knew exactly what we needed and got it to us right on time. You know, it was awesome. I, I totally from her all the time. And that's what she wants. No. And I think what's brilliant about that is exactly what you said is the automations, the things that are being sent out are, are something they actually are looking forward to, or they're happy to receive yep. as opposed to automating the pitch or automating the proposal or the ask, right. That, that almost these automations are helping your salespeople pre-sell, right. It's, it's building that trust. It's building that relationship so mm-hmm. that the time spent by the actual human is actually better well spent. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, and that, that's exactly right. It's getting rid of those things that take them time to figure out and, and then using technology to do it. But the key is you have to have had the conversations with your clients. You need to have been face-to-face with them and ask them questions to get feedback. And to, you have to understand how they make a buying decision. Mm-hmm. Now, most small businesses barely understand how they sell, let alone, you know, when I tell them, yeah, we're going to bring in a bunch of your clients, ask how you did and get feedback on the sales calls and everything. They're like, we're, we're, we're what? And, and then we bring them in and we have these awesome conversations. And the owners always, afterwards, they're like, that was freaking amazing. I, I learned so much about our client base. I'm like, exactly. That's why we do this. Because mm-hmm. your clients, if this is representative of who you sell to, they're all going to be thinking relatively the same things. Now you know what questions you need to answer before you can move to that next stage in your process. And, and if you aren't answering them, you try and push them ahead. That's where you start getting all the objection. And that's where you get people's delaying and saying, well, can you just send me a proposal? And I absolutely hate proposals. But you, know, you need to understand how your clients think so that you can match your sales tempo with their purchasing tempo. I love that way. You know, like as a marketer, I'm always concerned about the journey, the insight, the message mapping, all of that. And so it's so true though, because people always think, oh, well, sales is getting the close, right? It's getting, getting the end point, but really it needs to be more than that. It needs to be, like you said, building this relationship and understanding what do they need to know, do, or believe to get to the next phase as opposed to just pushing them there. And when I started sales back in the 90s, that's what sales was, because people didn't know about you or that you were an option or that they even had an issue until you made that cold call. Mm 
and you told them, hey, did you know that this is an issue and this can cause you, um, you know, to lose millions of dollars over the next five years? Oh, my God, what? Can we meet? Yeah. Oh, yes, come in. Uh, and then you're, you're, you set the narrative for that whole sales conversation. And, you know, I was really great, especially when I was working with government agencies or larger companies at helping them write their RFP so that only I could complete it. Mm-hmm. Everyone else was like, oh, you don't have this thing. You, you're not, you're, you're out. Oh, we're going with Kevin. But you, <laughs> that's not an option anymore because of all the content and data that's out there. But when they, when they're ready to talk to a salesperson, they're already 40, 50% of the way through their decision-making process. And they've probably already looked at a bunch of solutions and said, yeah, that's not it. Mm -hmm. So you've already made a couple of callings for the vendor list that they came up with. So you need to be better, not not better, but you need to be more versed in what your clients are thinking and what specific answers they need so that you get to stay in the game and not get cut out of the list. So understanding that specific question or that kind of deep insight that they've got going on in their head. I love the example you gave with the, with the roofing contractor that they knew based on past experience, past conversation with clients at this phase, they're probably thinking, Oh, I'm going to get all these quotes. And how do I know what's legit? Right. Yeah. I'm not up there on my roof. So I'm going to get scammed. Yeah, exactly. It, in our area, whenever there's a huge storm, we have storm crews come through. <laughs> that are like, you know, I'm in Minnesota and we have companies show up that are from Alabama that come up and they're hitting, knocking on doors, handing out flyers. I was getting two or three phone calls a day after the last big thunderstorm, hailstorm we had, uh, all trying to get uh, appointments to come, you know, we'll do a free roof assessment. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Uh, and so you don't know, most of those are just, you know, they're fly by night. They're going to come, they're going to do your roof. You're never going to hear from them again. And then your SOL, if anything happens. So it's given that industry this really bad name and people are, you know, unless you know the person, you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to give you $10,000 for a roof. So there had to be a way to help people feel comfortable about the decision. And that's why we added that in because that's what's going through everyone's head in our market whenever they meet with a roofer. It's like, oh, he's going to steal my money. And that's not always but I bet that's a pretty common insight, right? I'm sure there are people here listening uh, who aren't roofing <laughs> companies, yep. but they may be like, yeah, 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 but I'm an insurance agent or I do real estate or I do. But that fear of being scammed, I would think is a pretty common roadblock that you have to overcome in the sales process. Yeah. And a lot of industries, especially the ones that have been commoditized, mm. you have to figure out what the fear is that your clients have about saying yes. So, you know, uh, insurance has been a, become a commodity. So you have to understand what the big issue is that your, your uh, clients need to overcome to be, feel comfortable saying yes. It's not always price. You know, I've, I've never been the cheapest guy on the block for anything I sold. And it's because I figured out, all right, so here's the actual issues. Here's how we're going to solve it for them. Mm-hmm. And then you can sell it for more and they're going to be fine paying you more because they're getting more and they're comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. So that's why you need to ask all those questions. Agreed. Yeah. Price is never really the big issue. There's always something deeper. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned something about metrics. And so one of the things that I'm always fascinated by technology and the power of technology we've got now and marketing automations and sales automations is 
the data that can come from that, right? The metrics, the signals that can come from that. But I'm also just blown away sometimes how people never use that information or they don't even know it exists or they don't pull it out and actually turn it into optimizations or action plans. So how do you work with your clients around that? So just like we do with automations and just building out automations in general, you have to start. A lot of our clients will come in when we're building out stuff. They'll have this huge grandiose idea of what they want to have for a campaign and how all, all these moving parts and then they'll go do this and then this will happen. And we'll be like, Whoa, let's slow down a little bit. And, and we'll start with one real simple thing. That's going to give some real insight and some capability and enhancements that they're going to be excited about. They're going to be able to see, Oh, wow, this is awesome. This is, you know, freed up an hour a week for me that I can do other stuff with. And then just keep adding to it. Same is true for metrics. If you start tracking too much stuff, you're not going to know what to do with it. You're not going to know what interacts with each other. Uh, and you're just going to be like, oh, this is too much. And you're going to stop using all of it. So initially what we start having them track is, you know, conversations. How many people are you actually talking to a, on in a sales conversation? And then closings. And then with the automation stuff, we'll start adding in where we start tracking through the process. And we'll start identifying where their choke points are. You know, what percentage of clients that get to stage two actually close? What percent that get to stage three actually close? And we'll figure out where that drop off is and figure out, all right, so why are we losing a ton of people at this stage? And then fix that. And then we'll figure out what the next drop off is and fix that. But it's, you know, it's figuring out the, the data you want to track the stuff that you can actually act you know, for salespeople, it's how many, how many prospecting calls are you making? How many appointments are you setting out of those? And if you're, if it's a really low number, how do we fix it? That was what I always tracked as a sales manager when I was passing out leads from the marketing leads. Was, all right, so I gave you 10 leads and you didn't set appointments with any of them. I'm not giving you any more leads until we figure out how you actually get appointments because these are people who called us and you're not getting an appointment so it's things like that and understanding all right so here's the stat here's what it means and then being able to look at say all right here's how we fix it here's you know here's how do we get more information to figure out what's actually going on that's causing it but if you have too much it just is overwhelming for most business owners that's why a lot of businesses don't hire accountants but they can do that number piece for the finances because none of us actually understand that and it's like i don't I have money in my accounts. Isn't that a good enough stat? I'm like, that's, that's a good KPI for me. And my accountant's like, no, no, no. I'll, let me, I'll teach you. Like, sweet, thank you. Uh, but the same is true for sales. I think that's great advice. And hopefully all of you guys listening wrote that down. If you missed it, it's don't measure too much all at once, right? <laughs> because they're not going to take action on it. You won't, I promise you. Been there, done that, right? Come up with the most beautiful looking dashboard, and then it doesn't do anything for your business, right? If, yeah. if you just take those two metrics, I love that you just started with two metrics. Okay, how many did you get, right? Those MQLs that you handed over to the sales yep. team and then how many appointments did you set? Okay, if we're not seeing a good conversion right there, why, right? Digging in one thing at a time. If we're trying to change too many gears in the engine, we don't know which one was the problem. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then on the back end, there'll be things that I track internally for my clients that I never share with them, you know, and we'll do split testing. We'll do A-B testing on headlines, on 
background colors, on subject lines, all that stuff within the emails and landing pages we create. And I'll just go in and I'll just keep tweaking it uh, based on the results we're getting until we're at a point where I'm getting the numbers I want consistently. I'll be like, all right, here's our page. I'm not touching it anymore unless there's a major change to a product. Uh, but, you know, I don't share that with my clients because they don't need to know. Right. right. They need to know, hey, here's how many qualified leads are coming into your sales pipeline from this pre-sales campaign. Or here's the results of the emails that we're sending for camp for your actual sales automation. You know, you're, we're having 80 percent open rate. And we're having 60 percent of those actually click through and download the thing so they can actually see what's happening and that it's having an impact. Definitely. And painting that picture of impact, I can imagine yep. being huge. <laughs> oh, exactly. Because, you know, we're doing stuff and it's all cool, but at some point they're going to ask, what, well, what is this actually doing for me? And am I getting what you said it's going to happen? Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for, for coming and sharing all of this information with us. I, I hope you guys took notes. I definitely took my sticky notes uh, for today's episode. I've got notes on metrics and signals and not measuring too much all at once and making sure we're revealing our process. So uh, if anyone was also taking notes today that wants to dig in deeper with you, Kevin, or find out more, find out how you work with your clients, where's the best place for them to find you? So I actually have a gift for all your listeners. Ooh, bonus. So if they text the words sell smarter to 612-429-4298, And uh, if you're international, you'll want to add the one in front of that. I will send them a list of questions that they can use to help map out their client's buying process, along with a guide to what content is most effective for each step in the sales process. Uh, And then once they get that, they'll actually be in my system. So there'll be opportunities for them to join my Facebook uh, sales automation group, uh, follow my, my podcast and get involved in a bunch of other stuff I do where they can actually get... Uh, real life access to me and ask all kinds of questions. Fantastic. That is gold. So if you didn't catch that, we're going to put that in the show notes as well, but it was all you have to do is text sell smarter and we'll put the number in the show notes so you can make sure to get that information from Kevin. I am going to do that right away because I want to know what that uh, content is at those different (laughs) stages of the sales process. That's always fascinating to me. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Kevin. Any parting thoughts, any uh, thing that you want to leave as last gold nu- nugget for our listeners today? You know, the, the one thing that I always leave with uh, people that I think is the most important thing if you want to start doing sales automation is pick one outcome. Pick one thing that you want to, that is going to make an impact in your world and automate that and use that and, and tweak it until it's just freaking amazing. And then add on the next thing. You know, don't start with, we're going to do this huge campaign. That's awesome if you're me, because I can manage those. Most business people, especially if they're trying to do it on their own, you pick one thing. We're going to automate this one email and send it out. Free up my time. And we're going to play with it. And then when they're good, right now let's automate this thing. Let's link the two together. So now it's possible. You know, start simple and add. Brilliant. I love it. So hopefully you wrote that down on your sticky note, everyone. Uh, Start with one thing, just the one, the big one. So thank you again, Kevin, for uh, for joining us today. Was a pleasure to have you on the show. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a really awesome conversation. Terrific. And hopefully we will see you all on uh, the next episode of Sticky Note Marketing. Stay tuned. We will be bringing you more guest experts as part of the series. So looking forward to seeing you on the next episode.